Wednesday nights, we have a wonderful time of prayer, and those that come can attest to it. Um, and we, we certainly have seen the Lord uh, break through in many ways. If you do not come, you're just missing out. That's all that I want to say to you. You're missing out. Um, that's not a guilt trip. That's just, I just have to say that in truth. You know, in July, we, uh, children, you're dismissed. In July, we um, had, a <laughs> it's okay. You know, thank God, I have got notes here. And it's all right. I also have a mind that's been surrendered to God, so he'll, he'll say what needs to be said. But Wednesday nights, we take time to pray for people in their needs. And, um, and uh, this summer, we had a, a young individual that was having for, for some several, for quite a long time, several years, I think it was, difficulty in sleeping. And so, you know, as we had gathered around the front to pray uh, for the needs that were uh, shared with us that night in the house, we prayed for this very young individual, part of our kids' ministry. So on Wednesday, I received a text from their parent uh, because they, they were in house that one Wednesday night, and so we prayed for them. On um, Wednesday night, I received a text from a parent just sharing the praise report that this uh, young girl who had been having struggles sleeping for several years had now been able to sleep and her sleep came like that and um, it seemed like just moments her rest just seemed like moments that's the peace of God so this past Wednesday night uh, um, Wednesday we had another need that came in house almost identical and um, I said, you know what, we're going to pray for you tonight because I don't think it's by accident that God had this text message sent to me today. I'm going to share it with you. And I shared it with this individual. And I said, after tonight, we're going to take time to pray for you. And uh, we prayed. Things had been spoken over their life, things that were not godly, were not biblical, and it was causing them great struggle was disturbing their sleep, disturbing their peace of heart and mind. And uh, so we prayed for them. Friday morning, I had sent a text, and I said, how are you doing today? And they said, I slept very peaceful. I fell asleep immediately last night. Matter of fact, my family came in to check on me to make sure all was okay because they, they were so familiar with this individual being up through the night because of not being able to sleep. The Spirit of God, the peace of God, the touch of God. Why? Because we came together and we prayed and we believed. Prayer changes things god changes things god moves when we seek his face god is here to meet your need this morning i don't know why sometimes we bring a need to the lord over and over this young girl was praying she was praying scriptures the other individual was praying even had scriptures on their ceiling believing that god would give them peace why didn't it happen in all those other moments i'm not god to say why but i can say this god answered their prayer and they're not troubled in their sleep why because the peace of god maybe their answer didn't come maybe 
It's not the re- necessarily that I'm saying is the reason. Maybe God had to teach us to pray for one another. Maybe God had to teach us to have faith for somebody else, not just me, myself, and I. Maybe God had to teach them to go to somebody else carrying one another's burdens. Who knows what God is doing in the delay? But the delay is not necessarily the denial. It's just, it's just the delay. Colossians chapter 2, who is Jesus? Remember last week we looked at who Jesus was, and this week we want to go into what is part two. I've called it part two of who is Jesus. Um, And just believing God once again to speak to our hearts that we would understand the fullness of God is represented in Jesus. For him... Okay, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its illegal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We have the the struggle with knowing who is Jesus. If you were to take a poll and you were just to go around and you'd say, who is Jesus? Oh, Jesus is the son of God. Maybe you would hear that as an answer. Well, Jesus is God. Some people would say, I don't know, he's supposed to be some sort of good prophet. People don't know who Jesus is. Some may say Jesus is Lord. There's a search of knowing and longing for who Jesus is. But who this morning do you, who are children of God, say that Jesus is? Is this not a question he asked disciples? Who does man say that I am? But who do you say that I am? See, you can say what other people say, but who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that Jesus is? We don't fully understand that concept. In Matthew 1.23, we were told that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus is God who is with us. In John chapter 1, we saw this last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on in that same chapter, verse 18, it says that no one has ever seen God. The only Son is the only one who has shown us what God is like. He himself is God. Jesus is God. He himself is God and is very close to the Father. John 20 and 28, Thomas said, My Lord and my 
God, my Lord and my God, can you say to Jesus this morning, my Lord and my God? My Lord and my God. Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. Titus 2.13 says, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is our great hope, and he will come with glory. Our great God and Savior, he is Lord, he is God, he is Savior, he is God, he is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 and 3, we looked at last week, the sun shows the glory of God. He is a perfect copy of God's nature. He holds everything together by his powerful command. The son made people clean from their sins. Then he sat down at the right side of God, the great one of heaven. Hebrews 1 and 8, what he said about his son, God, your kingdom. This is what God said about his son. God, your kingdom will last forever and ever. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is this morning? Who is he to you? That is a question that I want to ask you. Psalm 110 verse 1 said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right side while I put all your enemies under your control. The Lord said to my Lord, Who is Jesus? He's God. He is a full representation of God. So in Jesus, we have the fullness of God because Colossians 2 verse 9 says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Why? Because we, as we saw last week, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But what happened? Jesus came and dwelt among us in flesh and in blood. And so that whole deity dwelt bodily in Jesus. He is not a sub-God. He is not a junior God. He is not a partial God. He is God. He is God, and that is who you are praying to. You are praying to God. You are calling out to God. He was, and he is, and he is the absolute perfect representation of God the Father, who is Jesus the perfect image of God. Last week when we were talking about the Colossians, we were talking about these wolves that had snuck in and were teaching other ideologies and one of those being of angels and trying to, to distract the Colossians in their walk and in their salvation and in their belief. And even John faced the same issue. The Colossians were being distracted that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of God in deed. The fullness of deity was dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. And John faced this same issue in John, 1 John chapter 4. And it says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit does, that does not confess Jesus 
is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. And he came in bodily form and dwelt among us. Oh, we might know our Bible this morning. We might come to church this morning. We might even pray, but do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is this morning? Do you know who he is to you? Because if, if you knew who he was and that he is God and that he is alive and that he knows us and the way we live, then we would live very differently. If you truly knew Jesus for who he was and if you knew that he knew you fully well, you would not live the way that you live we would not live the way that we live. You see, if I know that in asking Jesus to be my Savior, that he came and dwelt within me, then I would not live and do the things that I do. If I know that Jesus knows what I'm thinking, then I'm going to watch what I think. I'm going to allow my heart, my mind to be, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say, Lord, purify my thoughts. I'm, I'm going to fix on the scripture when it says, think about whatever is true and whatever is just. You see, sometimes we get caught up in believing the lies when we look in the mirror. Maybe we don't like what we see and we believe the lies. Maybe we have heard certain things spoken about our lives and we believe those lies but when we know that Jesus fully knows us we will even think about ourselves differently we will even if we know that he knows our heart oh God knows my heart have you ever heard somebody say that oh the Lord knows my heart then if we know that God knows our heart then we will guard our heart that whatever comes out of our heart out of the abundance of the heart what the mouth speaks so if we know that God knows our heart we will be careful what we're holding within our heart because out of that abundance may be harmful words maybe words of death over somebody Maybe words of bitterness. Oh, if we knew that God knows us, if we knew who Jesus was, then we would watch what we do. Because I would be mindful that he sees all that I do and the actions that I display towards others. Oh, if we know Jesus, we won't try to fool people by acting as if we know God. We will live that Jesus to others. Have you ever seen those of you who have uh, tablets or computers or handheld devices that allows you to see all that crazy social media stuff and people are always posting videos on social media? 
And there's this one video where a little boy keeps walking like this. Everywhere he's going in the house, he's walking like this. And the parents took a video of it and posted it on social media. And you're like, what in the world is the little kid walking like this? Just a little, maybe two or three-year-old, could be a little older, right? Just all of a sudden, as you're watching the video, wondering why that little boy is walking like that, there is a quick glimpse of a grandfather just going from one room to the next room. You see, what other people see in us will replicate in them. Will replicate in them. If people see Jesus in you, it's going to replicate in them. It's necessary for you to know who Jesus is because in you knowing who Jesus is is how you are going to live and how others will want to come to know the Jesus you are living. The greatest Bible, you've heard it said, that people will ever live, uh, is the one that you live. How you living? Do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is? See, we can't fool people by acting that we know God. Galatians 6, 7, and 9 says, If you think you can fool God, you are only fooling yourselves. You will harvest what you plant. If you live to satisfy your sinful self, the harvest you will get from that will be eternal death. But if you live to please the Spirit, your harvest from the Spirit will be eternal life. We must not get tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time if we don't give up. When we know Jesus and when we know who Jesus is, we take our walk and our talk very serious. We take how we treat others very serious because our lives reflect the one we know. And so Paul was warning these Colossians, listen, don't get up all caught up in these ideologies that are being taught to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. All the fullness of God dwells in him. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus and your faith is in him and your belief is in him, the fullness of God dwells within you. The fullness of who Jesus is dwells within you. We don't have to do anything to achieve this. We just have to know him and believe him. First, uh, John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said of himself, he, he spoke of himself, and Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me, John chapter 12, not, believes not in me, but in him who sent me, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Whoever sees me, who, sees him who sent me. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God, and when we see Jesus, we see God. And when we believe in Jesus, we are believing in the 
full deity that dwells within Jesus. We are believing in Jesus in the fullness of that deity. The fullness means in every sense that Jesus was God. He wasn't just somebody that came and looked like some teachings want to say, oh, he was just a good man, a good prophet, and had good teachings. No, Jesus was God. He was God. He, was, he, he did not, wasn't just a good teacher. He was the teacher, the master teacher. He was God in the flesh, and right now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Daily he makes intercession for you. That humbles me. Jesus said, with all of the people, that you would even pause to make intercession for me. Dwells when it says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells. That fullness, as I said, Jesus is God. That Jesus is God in the flesh. But when it says it dwells, it says it in the present sense as in it continually dwells. It didn't dwelt, it dwells. It dwells. The fullness of God that dwells within you is a continual dwelling, an ongoing dwelling. He is still dwelling. It indicates that that risen Christ that was not held to a tomb is still alive. He remains to be alive forevermore, and he remains to dwell as the fullness of God in all of his deity. That doesn't mean that, of course, then, oh, just because, oh, I'm a, I'm a born-again believer and the fullness of God is dwelling, that doesn't mean that I become God, nor am I elevated to that same stature. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we share in the goodness of what God pours into us, removing of that old nature, there's nothing that we need to add to our salvation. We just need to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Nothing added. So in Jesus, we become completely, complete. If you are making notes, if you were, the first point was in Jesus is the fullness of God. And the second point is, is in Jesus you are made complete. Who is Jesus? The one who completes you. Not a man. Not a woman. Jesus is the one who completes you. Once upon a time, and I don't know what movie it was. I don't know what movie it was, but there was a movie that once upon a time I saw when I used to watch movies because now I never have time to. Uh -huh. Anyways, um, there was this movie, and in the scene, somebody, the, the guy said to the woman, you complete me. He's wrong. In Jesus, you are complete. 
Not whatever that actor had to say. In Jesus, you are complete. Why? Because in Jesus, it says in verse 10, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The sufficiency of Christ is that we have been made complete in him. There's no special knowledge. There's no special works that you have to do. There isn't a checkoff list that you must complete in order to be complete in him. You are complete in him. Because he has made you complete. And he made you complete the day that you said, Jesus, son of God, forgive me. Be my savior. Be my Lord. You were made complete in him. Why? Because the fullness of deity rests in Christ and the benefits of his saving grace now rests within you. And so you are complete in him. Just as Jesus was fully God, believers are fully complete, nothing lacking in your salvation. You're all tired today? You know, if, if somebody said you were complete in God and there's nothing lacking in your salvation, it's something to get a little bit excited about. Just, just a little bit. You know, like if you were out on an ocean and you were drowning and, and somebody throws you out a lifeline and in that lifeline is everything that you need to stop from drowning, would you not have a little bit of a hallelujah party there in the ocean? Thank God for saving me. Well, you're in worse than an ocean. You're in a world that is corrupt and full of sin and is in a great big mess. And the lifeline that has been sent to you is Jesus. And in him and in believing in him and who he was, you have been made complete. There is nothing, you, you can't serve 25, 50 hours a week in this church to receive your salvation. There is no good deed that you could do to the poor that will earn your salvation. There is no amount of money that you could give that would merit you your salvation. Your salvation came as a free gift from Christ to be poured out into you, to make you complete in him. And we sit. Yes, Lord. Can you imagine if the camera focused in on you? That would be funny if one Sunday all our services were focused in on the expressions of the people. <laughs> but we have been made complete. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you think you have a special way to get to heaven, if you, have a th if you think you have a special way of looking spiritual and all special like that kind of a Christian, then I have to tell you, you're wrong. You're the only way in which you will receive that eternal salvation is found in Jesus. And it is found in believing him to be the son of God. And believing that he is the son of God, you believe that he is the fullness of God. That means he is God. Oh, may 
maybe now you're woken up. Was it because I started to shout? My kids wake up when I shout too, by the way. (laughs) In Jesus, you will find God. People are searching for God. How many people lay upon their bed at night and say, God, if you are for real? How many people are in a prison cell realizing they have messed up one final time and they say, God, if you could? How many people strung out on a drug? Having a moment of awakening in that higher, that euphoria that says you have made a mess of yourself. God, if you could, pull me out of this mess this one last time. Then God, then God, he is real. We're not worshiping a fairy tale. Our, our, t- our story ends happily ever after, that's true. But we're not worshiping a fairy tale God. Disney did not create him. Warner Brothers could not produce him. There is nothing that man could do in all of their efforts that will make him be more than what he is because he is the infinite of more. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Our godliness comes from him. When we are living for him, when we are taking the precepts of our word, listen, salvation isn't just a prayer that you pray today and that's it. All of a sudden tomorrow you are made perfect. Although you are made complete in him, salvation is something that you will grow from day to day as you get into the word of God. As you get to know who Jesus is, the more you get to know who Jesus is, the more you will live like him. The more you get to know who Jesus is, the more you will say, oh God, I need that area of my life to be chiseled out. The more you get to know who Jesus is, the more you would surrender to him and say, God, I need that very area of my life to be uprooted. The more you get to know who Jesus is, the more you would fully depend on him, the less you would pick up the telly, the less you would text, the more you would go to email instead of email and call out to God. I need an answer. I need an answer because God, your word tells me who you are in Christ. We're not empty. We have been fully filled with all of who he is. In Christ, our life is not void and without meeting. If that is how you're feeling today, then the barometric thermometer of your life needs to get into the word of God to see who Jesus is. Everyone is looking for something to give them a boost. Oh, yeah, now this guy, what's his name? Just a minute, just a minute. He's some TV guy. What's his name? Um, Anyways, it doesn't matter, but he's selling this drink called Elevate. And if you drink it every day in the morning, you'll have energy for the day. Energy for the day. You don't even have to spend 
month on Elevate, it's free. Just open it. The five minute takes for you to blend that stupid Elevate with all its greens and vitamins and minerals and proteins and, and amions and all the la da 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 da. Okay, the, all the time that's going to take for you to make that drink, you take the Word of God. You Oh, I don't have time to read it. Okay, while you're putting on your makeup, play your Bible. While, while, you're, while you're getting dressed, play your Bible. Get the Word of God. You'll see. You'll see a change. You'll see a change. Why? Because the fullness of God is right here in his word. Everything we need to know of who he is, what he can do, what he has done, everything is here in his word. You feel like you have no purpose? Your purpose is found in the word of God. <laughs> you feel like you're, you're, you just have no contentment anymore. Just Feeling sad, the joy of the Lord. It's free. You could have it. You could take my Bible. That's it. Take my Bible. You don't have one. I'll give you my Bible. You feel like you're incomplete. You can be made complete in Christ. Get into his word. Get to know who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? You'll find there's more answers than you know how you can live. He fills the vacuum that is within you. But these crazy Gnostics, they were saying to the Colossians, oh, well, you know, because most of the Colossians, well, pr pretty much all of them were Gentiles. So these Gnostics were saying, well, you know, um, you need to be circumcised in order to, you know, have your salvation. Paul is saying, no. It's not the angelology. It's not the circumcision. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Everything is under his authority, O Galatians. Why? Because the, 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 the next point is, in Jesus, this one I'm asking, do you know him? You have been made new. Paul wanted the Colossians to know they have been made new in Christ. Verse 12, having been buried, oh, excuse me, verse 11, in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. That's necessary for you to know. Because the circumcisions that I've seen done require hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the circumcision was a representation that set the children of Israel apart as God's special people. And so they had to go through the circumcision of the flesh. The, the foreskin was removed. The excess of this flesh was removed. And it was a symbolizing of the cutting off. That old life was removed. And Paul is saying, you don't have to do that to receive your salvation. Because in Christ, all has been made new. All has been made new. He has taken that old man off of you 
He has taken that old nature away from you. When you fully surrendered, and catch the word, when you fully surrendered to Christ, he took the old man away. You know what Deuteronomy said, and this was what they lived by, but it works very perfectly for us today. Deuteronomy 10, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn, for the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no brides, bribes. putting off, putting off by putting off the body of the flesh. You know what this is? It's a, it's, it's a double compound. It's a putting off, meaning a stripping away and a casting away. So I take off my clothes when I'm at the end of the day and I'm going to put on my pajamas, right? So I take off, but as I take it off, what do I do with that item? I put it away. I cast it away. I put in the clothes hamper, someplace to be washed, right? So that putting off is a removing and a casting away. It is a double meaning in the Greek. It's not just a putting off as in put off till tomorrow. It is a putting off and a casting away. When, when Jesus comes and fills our life and we become complete in him and he makes us new, he puts off and he casts away what you want were, who you once were, how you once thought, how you once walked. It's a total breaking away from something. It's a taking off of the old way. What I don't understand is when we give ourselves to Christ and we say, oh Jesus, be Lord of my life, and tomorrow morning we go back to the same dirt pile. Oh, God, strip off my old man, take away all my habits, and tomorrow we light one up. God, why do we go and pick back up what God has cast away? Maybe, may we walk in the faith of our salvation to believe that when he puts off the old man and he makes us new, that he truly takes it away, strips it off, and casts it aside. This is why the scripture says he takes our sins and casts them into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. And we forget, we forever repeatedly go before him and go before him. And he says, but I've taken that and I've buried it away. Do you really know who Jesus is? Do you really, really know who Jesus is? Because if we really, really knew who Jesus is, then we would walk representing who Jesus was. Because I would look at you and you would look at me and we don't have that former representation. You know what I love about Daniel and his friends when they... Um, when it came t time to Daniel in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, 
When the three came out of that fiery furnace, the one thing that was notable, notable about that moment was not just the fourth man that was walking with them in the fire that appeared to be like the one of the Son of God, but when they came out of the fire, they did not even smell like smoke. You see, when he makes you new, you don't even smell like the old man. When he takes you out of that pit, you don't even smell like that pit. When you know who Jesus is and what he has done for you, what he wants to do in you and through you, the whole representation of who you are changes because you are transformed. The word of God says we are transformed from glory to glory, but you can't go from glory to glory if you are sitting part in your mess by your own willful choice. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 3. The old has passed away. Behold, all has been made. All becomes new. You see, when we live like we believe the Jesus we know, if we truly know him, it's standing room only in his house. Because everybody wants to come and see the God we believe. Why is it we can fill stadiums when a famous singer comes to town? When a famous artist comes to town, we could fill stadiums. Tickets are sold out months before they arrive. But Sunday morning, churches because we're walking around defeated. Who is Jesus? Who do you believe? Peter, what does men say that I am? Who do they say that I am? Well, the Son of God. But who do you say that I am? Logos, I'm asking you this morning, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? My Lord and my God. Jesus put away the old. He put away and he, brought, he bought you with a price. And that price was the beating and the blood that he shed. That price was the criticism and the mocking. Oh, you think people pick on you? You didn't see what Jesus went through. The old Jew is buried. Stop digging him up because he stinketh. Remember when Lazarus came out of the tomb? The first thing that Jesus said was, remove those grave clothes. Oh, but master, he has been dead in that grave for three days. Behold, by now he stinketh. I'm just saying that for free for the King James Knights. 
Behold, he stinketh, Lord. Why do we dig up the old man? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's no longer I who liveth, but Christ who liveth in me. Did you believe what you just quoted? Did you believe the word? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Stop digging up the old man. Stop looking for the problem. Sometimes I've prayed with people, and I'm sure it's happened to you as well, that after you're done praying, they're like, wow, what just happened? And, and you could see them searching to find what was old and familiar to them because it became their identity. And the first thing that I always do whenever I see that, don't go looking for what Jesus took away. That's no longer a part of you now. He has removed it. Walk in who he has made you to be. Oh, it brings us to our final point. In Jesus, in Jesus, you've been made complete. First of all, in Jesus is the fullness of God. Once you understand that, then you will see that in Jesus you have been made complete. And in Jesus you have been made new. But in Jesus, we have been buried and raised. There is life beyond this life. There is an eternal life that we have awaiting for us because of what Jesus has done. Paul is telling the Colossians, you have been buried in Christ. How was that represented? Well, then we have to go to verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. How did you receive this Jesus? Through faith. How, why, is salva- why is baptism so important following our salvation? Because it represents the faith that we believe. That in Christ the old man has been buried in the waters of baptism. And the new man comes forth. Why? Because it is in Christ that all the old of melody is gone and the new of melody comes forth. Because in Christ, in our completeness, comes our baptism and the raising of what he has done in our life, that regeneration of his son within us. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. But the New American Standard Version says it even better. It says this, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. That makes perfect sense. Why? Because we're putting off. When we're putting off, we're stripping and casting away. So it makes perfect sense then why Paul would say to the Galatians that you are clothing yourselves with Christ in your baptism. It completes the process. It's not a works. It is a faith 
It is a faith, an outward expression to all who would witness of the inward experience of what God has done in your heart. Do you know who Jesus is this morning, Logos? See, the great thing about being buried with Christ, when I'm buried in the waters of baptism, it means I'll be also raised with him. I'll be raised with him because through the resurrection and through him being seated at the right hand of the Father declares that my Jesus is alive forevermore. Therefore, I will not die, but I will live. He who believes in me Yet shall he live. Do you believe that this morning? Who is Jesus? Before we have this new life, verses 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses. What is that trespass? Just a fancy word that says we have overstepped the boundary. We have overstepped the boundary, and usually when somebody has been trespassed, they are charged with something. We have overstepped the boundary, and we have stepped into the charge of sin. But he has removed that charge of sin against us. He has removed that trespass that has been made against us, and he has made us new in him do you know who jesus is can we just summarize it a little bit of last week and a little bit of this week merged together jesus performed works that only god could do he created the heavens and the earth these works established him as deity he created everything out of nothing for the heavens and the earth established. Only God could do that. Jesus is God. Jesus sustains and holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. Only God can do that because Jesus is God. Jesus forgives our sins and he sends forth his Holy Spirit through to all mankind that would believe. Only God could do this. Jesus receives worship that only God could receive. He receives the worship of angels. He receives the worship of us this morning, the church. He receives the worship of us alone while we are in our room, in our car. Jesus receives that worship, but only God could receive this worship. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you recognize him when you see him in the word of God? Or is he only the man that you pray, dear Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, forgive me. Or do you know that Jesus is God and in the fullness of him dwells the deity? Philippians 2 says this. 
Therefore, my beloved, oh, excuse me, from verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved Logos, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Why? Because he is God. Only God is to be worshipped. Jesus is the object of heaven's worship. We could see it in Revelations. But he is Jesus Who is Jesus? He is the one that even possesses attributes that only belong to God. He is holy. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is perfect in all of his way. He is called God because he is Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And these are only names that could be given to God. Who is Jesus today? Can you declare Jesus? King of kings and Lord of lords, king of glory. Who is he today? Who is he today? Can we stand and say, king of glory, fill this place. Can you stand in your heart and say, Jesus, Lord of lords, Jesus, God, there is no one else like you. You are perfect in all of your ways. Can you declare him as Lord over your life this morning? Who is he? Who is Jesus? Maybe you don't know him today. If you don't know him, then I would encourage you today that you would invite him to be Lord of your life. That you would come to the altar and you would say, Jesus, Here I am. I stand in need of you. I need your forgiveness. Maybe you already are saved. We automatically assume, oh, everybody, why would you make an altar call for someone to get saved? We're in church. That's why we make the altar call. Because people in church need to get saved too. But maybe this morning you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning you've been challenged in your heart by this perfect, holy man, by this perfect, sovereign man. Maybe you've been gripped to know that he holds everything that is your life pertaining to your life in his hand maybe today you've been gripped with the thought that he has given you all things for your life that pertain to life and godliness that you could be found in him that your completeness this void that you've been having could only be filled by the completeness of god who fills all things all i know is that whatever position you are in today, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth will bow. And every tongue will confess. So it's not uh, an invitation to an altar as in a guilt tripping. It's an invitation to a preparation for what you will be doing for eternity. Bowing before the Savior. Confessing him as Lord and God. Maybe this morning you are Thomas. My Lord and my God. I come before you. Maybe this morning you're like the man who was in need of a healing. And he said, God, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? God, yes, but help my unbelief. Because sometimes in each of us, in the little corner of a hidden corner of our heart, there's a what if. Oh God, across this sanctuary, let us be prepared for what awaits us. Every knee bowed, every tongue confessing, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. To the glory of God the Father, Jesus, you are Lord. Every tongue, God, across this room. I'll say it, oh God, until we are a symphony of praise singing, Jesus, you are Lord. Let every tongue in this house and let every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord. Who is Jesus? He's God. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man. He is the righteous one. He is the Savior of the earth. He is the Christ. He is the perfect one, the Holy One. He is the King of kings. He is the one who has ascended onto the Father. He is the one who is making intercession. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is the mighty one in the midst of you this morning. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? Can you worship him today? Like you believe that he is the man the Bible tells us to be.